My name is Austin Lugo. I'm Andrew Hart. This is with nothing to say. Let's talk about the Suicide Squad. you and I both know the last couple of weeks we have been on set for a feature film yeah. so <laughs> our mostly, schedules what's that mostly you I've been here I've been here and there intermittently well but. you were on like half the shoots I suppose so yeah which has been pretty intense they're mostly night shoots they're like 10 to 12 hour days especially that first day that first day was was really tough but uh that means that we weren't able to watch a lot of movies in the last two weeks. So um, when we decided this week, a movie that neither of us had seen, I thought I'd pick The Suicide Squad because it's a fun movie. It's a new movie. Yeah. Uh, we had both just watched it within like the past week or two. Yeah. And uh, I feel like, I think The Suicide Squad is a really interesting film, not so much because of the film itself, but its context more so in film history and sort of the future of film. So Andrew, is this better than Suicide Squad? Yeah, I would say so. I would say it's uh, marginally uh, better. <laughs> I saw the first one in theaters when it came out. Um, you know, it didn't look good at all to me just before watching it, but when watching it, it's a, I've talked about it with you before, but you know, it's a, it's a baffling movie. It's just like a really weird experience to watch it from beginning to end. It's just like really bad. Uh, but I would say it's more because the movie, when you watch it, it's interesting because it's the movie that's completely like cut to shreds. I mean, it is yeah. like, cause I think of course, like the movie has like a really long history with like production and you know they hired kind of like these editors who work primarily on trailers and so like I would say maybe the first like 30 or so minutes are like really weird and um really baffling because you essentially get like I guess it's a good time to talk about the new movie because in the new movie the movie the new movie starts off very pretty I would say the movie starts off on a, on, I would say on a high note for the most part. Um, I'll talk about my reservations in a minute, but it starts right in the middle of the action. You, you are introduced to our characters um, right away. Um, very quickly, you get it. Everybody has like a quick character moment, a quick characterization, and then basically right in the middle of the action. It's great. While in the first movie, um, that movie starts off with maybe like two or three, maybe even four different character introductions. Like you get like character introductions of them in the prison. Then you get a thing where they're at dinner and Viola Davis is like talking about it. And then you get another thing where she's like in a bunch of military guys and she's talking about the suicide squad again. And then like, yeah, there's like, it does not start. It starts off like really, really boring and really, really lame. Um, and uh, they also abuse the use of music where they do this thing where they play a different like pop song every second. So they'll play a song, then they'll play another song and then they'll play another song. And that will happen, like, like I said, the first 30 minutes. While in this new movie, once again, just to talk about it briefly, um, James Gunn obviously likes music. He likes using music in his movies. Mm -hmm. And you know, he is a very good, he's obviously a, a, an appreciator of the good needle drop, you know, where, you play a, a, the right song at the right time. But yeah, uh, 
I don't know if I'll talk more about the original movie. I know you'd never saw it, right? I haven't seen it, but I, in preparation for this, this is probably the first preparation I've ever done for any of these podcasts. I did watch um, a couple of different, like, because I'd known about Suicide Squad and your very detailed uh, description of Suicide Squad when you first saw it. And also I recently watched like a lot of videos about the original Suicide Squad. So I have a very good idea of the entire plot of Suicide Squad and you know, the different characters who die and like how like it works and all of that. Would you, cause there's, you know, it, I would say not nearly as much as say uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. There is this sort of little tiny push and I think it's almost gone now, especially with the new Suicide Squad for uh, David Ayer's original cut of the film. Would you watch that? Maybe I would. Why not? You know, if it Max, I would watch it. Yeah. Um, is it going to be any better? Probably not, uh, <laughs> because there are still problems in the editing that kind of stuff. I, I kind of have like similar reservations in the new movie where I'm just like not a super fan, huge fan of like some of the writing and some of the jokes. Mm-hmm. I also think like, how like the plot progresses in the first movie is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't go into that. I just don't like how the main threat of the movie is created. Yeah. I think it's kind of lame, uh, and it's just kind of yeah. So I mean. I don't think a recut would fix that. I just think that like the the way that the movie's cut just makes it exponentially worse. <laughs> so I guess uh, we can kind of talk about what we were talking about last time or earlier in the discussion when getting into the Suicide Squad. We open up on Johnny Cash's uh, Folsom Prison Blues, which is just like, I've probably uh, heard it for some reason more recently in like four different movies. And I've enjoyed it in every movie that I've seen. I, I, I think it, I partly just because. Enjoy you again, sorry. I, enjoy the, you? The Johnny Cash song, Folsom Prison Blues. I mean, partly just because it's a great song. But no. um, I think in, in every scenario that I've seen it, and I saw it in Wrath of Man like a couple of months ago, and I've now seen it in this. I, I think it, it's, I mean, it's, it's a little, uh, I guess it's a little on the nose, especially when you kind of open up on you know, a uh, savant who is throwing this, like a, it's like a rubber ball. Maybe it's like a, um, like a racquetball or something. And he has all these like spots like taped off and he's throwing it and he's throwing it. And uh, I-, I love the opening shot. It actually reminds me a lot of, if you've ever seen uh, Strike, it's the director who directed uh, Battleship Potikinman. Uh, there's this shot, which is one of my favorite shots in all of cinema. And it's a shot of a puddle but it's so close up that it actually looks like it's it's a factory, mm-hmm. and um, and then someone steps in it and you realize that's a puddle. It, it's a, it's an absolutely incredible, beautiful shot, and it, uh, for a film that's at this point like 110 years old, is just incredible filmmaking. And there's something sort of similar in this, not um, perhaps not to the same extent as uh, say the film Strike, but it, it is kind of an interesting opening shot where you start on sort of a puddle, and then there's the, kind of this uh, strange. A crane movement of the camera to where we are introduced to Savant. And then it quickly, as you said, jumps into, I mean, literally within a minute, you know, like what the mission is, uh, like how this world works and that he's going to be working with the Suicide Squad. And this is actually something I, I wanted to talk about. And one of the main reasons I picked this film, because the like, the idea of the, 
the Suicide Squad and Suicide Squad is that basically there are these group of villains and they have this little explosive implant inside their head. And, you know, if they, if they go wrong, their head explodes. But I think what's interesting and in about this film is, right, it goes through it really quickly and it's really fast. Do you think they could have, if, if the original Suicide Squad didn't exist, like let's say that film just didn't exist, do you think this film could go through that kind of opening phase so quickly? I don't really care. <laughs> I really don't give a fuck. It's like fine. Like I, I think it's like I think it's generally, you know, fine. Like it doesn't yeah. really bother me how fast it goes. Um, yeah. it, it's pretty simple. It's a pretty simple premise and idea. Sure. And one that you can easily look up on, you know, the internet very easily. And I think they go, they come across it really well. And even if you don't understand it right in the first scene, they establish it again and again later on in the movie. So uh, the idea of the squad or whatever you want to call it. So, right. uh, yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. And, and it's not to say it, it so much bothers me. I, I, I think it's done really well and uh, well-crafted. I just think that it's one of the many things in the film that makes it sort of different from, I suppose, a lot of films because it's not a sequel. It's not a director's cut. It's not really a remake. It's like a, like a redo. Yeah, it's like a redo, but it's not like a remake it's either. It's actually really expected. Yeah. <laughs> now they're getting it you know, for the most part. Yeah, it's, it's something that I'm sure there's like, you know, plenty of examples of it. Um, you know, you think of like, say, uh, the film we watched a couple of weeks ago, His Girl Friday, which of course is a remake of The Front Page, which is a remake of the play. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's more likely that we'll have more films that are like The Suicide Squad, which is basically we take a film that didn't do very well, like within the last 10 years that say, you know, a Warner Brothers or um, I don't know, one of these big production companies owns. They're like, oh, well, let's just remake it with a different director. I think that's that's going to happen more often than it won't. And I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. I just think it's an interesting pivot for production companies. Yeah, I don't know too much about the history of this movie in particular. <clears throat> I just, I don't know. I think that, uh, yeah, it's just that original movie is just so bad. It's just like, to me, it's almost like, to me, what I'm actually excited about seeing in terms of Big movies like this is actually like people taking movies and giving them to directors and just kind of letting them do what they want which i think is what james gunn was able to do in this movie uh, for the most part i think for the most part james gunn was kind of like let off the rails unlike david Ayer, and created kind of the thing that he i would say more or less wanted it seems like and it turned out to be you know pretty uh pretty you know it seems like it went pretty well for i guess all intents and purposes um I just hope that I hope they do that, even if it's a stupid superhero movie. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think D the DC and Marvel kind of like when you compare their films, because I think I've seen I've seen every Marvel film except for Black Widow, and the TV series. I haven't seen either of the TV. Series. I haven't seen Falcon Winter Soldier or WandaVision, and I've seen every DC movie except uh, Suicide Squad 2016. And I think for me, the big difference between the DC movies and the Marvel movies especially I would say more lately than, you know, originally they kind of had a, a very similar vibe, but I would say uh, more recently, I think DC, which I, Marvel's kind of doing, but is still pretty hesitant about, which is DC's definitely more allowing directors to kind of just 
do what they want. I mean, I obviously this the, the Suicide Squad's a good example of it, but you watch film like Shazam or Birds of Prey, um, or even the, the director's cut of Justice League. Um, Joker. Joker, yeah, they're definitely allowing uh, director. They're first of all getting directors that have like their own very specific kind of look, right? It's very different feel. Where you know you watch one Marvel movie. You've seen them all. You've seen them all, right? They're, they're all pretty similar. I mean, there's a couple, I guess, uh, small differences, like maybe like a Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok or say, that's about it, honestly. That's the only one that has any real <laughs> difference. I don't know. That new uh, Doctor Strange movie is going to have Sam Raimi, I think. So That's true. Yeah, so that one might have, uh, you know, a little different. I haven't even seen, I haven't even seen, to be honest, I haven't seen every Marvel movie just because like, they're kind of like snooze fest. Like, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like, they're just like fuck they're just all like kind of like amalgamated and i'm not like super like i'm not rushing to you know my television to watch them because they're just so boring but you're right about dc is that like at least like with these kind of like weirder movies like joker and like you said birds of prey which i'm not a fan of um the, the suicide squad and i think you said a couple others like yeah the snyder cut of the justice league at least like i'm hoping that like and, and the other thing about like superhero properties too is worth mentioning is that like there are a lot of like there are tons of superheroes, right? Like there are a lot of different like superhero properties to have. And in this movie, the Suicide Squad, they use a lot of like really strange superheroes, including like Polka Dot Man. Yeah. Um, and they're able, and the director is able to kind of like take those weird characters and their powers and kind of like implement, implement them into their movie in a way that I think it's very creative. It's very interesting. Um, it's like, if you have all these properties available, it's like, I don't know if I want to watch another Spider-Man movie or another Batman movie. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, yeah, they're classic characters. And I mean, they're good Spider movies or good Batman movies, but like, like it would be nice to like watch like something different, especially if you have like all these properties available instead of just like the same, like, you know, crap. So no, yeah, I think that, uh, I think that's a good direction. Hopefully this movie will set off like more like, okay, like what do we got in the, you know, what do we got in the, cabinets we got in the drawers you know what i mean so i'd watch more of that kind of stuff uh, because i think that can be funny i think it can be fun um i'm not a superhero comic book hater i just like think like a lot of these movies are just kind of um i don't know they lack any soul so yeah. but still you know uh, i'd watch them if it's a good movie so so to get back into the movie which i guess we haven't really talked <laughs> yeah. about that much uh savant who is the first character we meet uh, who's basically the idea of savant is like he's it, it's exactly what his name implies he's basically he's a master uh, craftsman he can make anything out of anything he's kind of like a, a macgyver kind of deal and he's introduced to the suicide squad and the suicide squad is javelin man the detachable kid harley quinn rick flag you're gonna say them all <laughs> I, I know most of them the the, the alien cor- I don't know. I remember her name. The weasel guy. Oh, and then, then the weasel. And and Pete Davidson, Black Blackguard. A handful of people, yeah. Yeah, it's like a handful of uh, small characters that really, other than Harley Quinn, most people haven't heard of. If the, any of them are any famous, they're only famous for being kind of outcast, kind of silly. A lot of them are from like um, comics from like the 50s and 60s when they were just like, we have to come up with a comic every week. We need a new bad guy. So they just kind of throw random super minor yeah (laughs) so we're introduced to all the characters they get on a plane uh and they're flying to the location there's some kind of joking back and forth um weasel of course is played by sean gunn james gunn's brother uh 
And then they get to the beach and we immediately realize that Pete Davidson's character, Blackguard, has for some reason decided to uh, like turn in the fellow Suicide Squad, which like if you like think about it for like about 10 seconds, doesn't really make any sense because there's a bomb in his head. So like, I don't know what his plan is or like the idea, like, I mean, I guess he's just kind of, I mean, Pete Davidson does a good job of just playing like a character that's just kind of an idiot, which I guess is just like the logic of it. Cause he just literally I'll, walks out. I like when he gets his face blown off. <laughs> and his face gets blown off almost I immediately. I don't like Pete Davidson. So watching him get, <laughs> when I saw that Pete Davidson, when the movie started and I saw that Pete Davidson was going to be in it, I was like, oh fuck, like this is not going to be good. Is it? It's going to be shitty. But then like when he got his face blown off, I was like, okay, good. It's all good. <laughs> like we're good. He got his face blown off. It was very, very satisfying. Uh, his face blown off um yeah but yeah like pete davidson's like oh you know and he's walking towards all these bad guys on the country of corto maltese mm-hmm. um and then everyone just gets killed everyone gets uh, uh mowed down um they all use their powers to no avail yeah um and uh yeah um there is just like it, it just it's a great it's a pretty great scene um i, I and uh you're just kind of like, oh, everyone's getting mowed down. And then, of course, uh, you find out that it was a distraction. That isn't the Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad are on another beach on the country. And that's when you realize, like, oh, okay, these are the actual guys that are involved in this. Which, you know, it's a shame that we have to have, like, trailers and, like, fucking, uh, like, movie posters and shit. Because this would probably, like, be more effective if, like, I don't know. The, we, those things weren't a thing you know what i mean because right. it's like we're like oh where's uh john cena where's uh, the shark guy you know what it's i mean like, yeah. guys are going to be in the movie so it's like it's still made well so that's fine and you know you find out that okay you have all these like different you have another group of characters well like peacemaker king sharp poke out man rat catcher 2 and uh, blood sport who's played by idris elba mm-hmm. um and, and they were able to enter into the country undetected. And their thing is that they have to um, go to the South American island nation of Corto Maltese. Mm-hmm. It, its government was overthrown by an anti-United States regime. Uh, and yeah, the squad's um, purposes are to go there. And I think, um, well, I think what they know is that they have to, um, they have to go there and I'm trying to think what they actually have to do. I, obviously, like their plan changes like later on, but I'm trying to think what they're like. They're, main they're originally sent there to go to the the big, like German oh, the, tower, yeah. the tower, and yeah. basically just uh, destroy what's ever in there. That's like they're not really given like details of what it is. Yeah. Um, and of course, later on, we learned that Viola Davis, who again plays uh, Amber Waller, I think's her name. Yes. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, who. Again, just a fantastic. Boyle Davis is just incredible, and the fact that he's willing to play this role again is just great, and gives an incredible it, performance. She's uh, boring in the first movie. Is she? She she's not as emotive in this movie. In this movie, she like yells and shit, and she's definitely more. She comes across as like way more like evil and way more uh, mean. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I, I appreciate her performance a little bit more in this, definitely. So as you said, we cut back to three days before, or however many days, I don't know, a certain amount of days before. And we are introduced to, as you said, the real Suicide Squad. So it starts with Idris Elba, Bloodsport, 
uh, and basically he's he uh, he's he's cleaning the floor, and we again meet Pete Davidson, who's just being a shitty person. And uh, Idris Elba goes and talks to his daughter, which is a fun. I think so. I think one of the things I like about this film so much, and one of the reasons I really enjoy it is, which which I didn't really expect because James Gunn. I'd seen Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy Two, which I guess they really did let James Gunn pretty much do what he want. But I would say how this is different from those films is this film, and I'd say James Gunn is very aware of superhero movies and how superhero movies exist in the world. And he does his best at times. And I'd say it's, it works best at, in the first act and second act. I would say it kind of fails in the third act, but we'll get to that later. But in the first act, he does everything he can to kind of invert your kind of expected uh, expectations for what a superhero movie should be. So when Bloodsport goes and meets his daughter, you think it's gonna be you know this uh, touching kind of uh, gooey uh, saccharine moment between a father and daughter. And of course, it's it's not that at all. It's just <laughs> Bloodsport yelling yeah. at his daughter and his daughter yelling at him. They really? do that in the first movie too, where you know, it, I know that Idris Elba is playing a different char- comic book character in this, but he is kind of a, it is kind of a continuation of Will Smith's performance and Will Smith's character in the original movie. And Will Smith is not very good in that movie. And he has gooey saccharine moments with his daughter. You know, his daughter's mm-hmm. perfect. His daughter is like really cool. There's a scene in the beginning, not to spoil it. There's a scene in the beginning where they're walking together and Batman comes to get, I think Deadshot, I think is Will Smith's character's yeah. name. And he's going to fucking shoot at Batman. He's going to shoot him in the face. And his daughter like goes between them. And he's like, get out of the way. <laughs> but, like, he's, he's like, no, dad, don't shoot Batman. And it's just like a really bad moment. And like, yeah, the moments between him and the daughter are really bad. But in this movie, like you said, really good. They like yell at each other and stuff. And like, it's very, very, um, it's way more effective and way more uh, uh, interesting to watch than just like, you know, the, just like a dad and a daughter who, you know, just, you know, they're on good terms, I guess. Yeah. I'm raising it's like, okay, well, even though he's like going to jail forever. <laughs> yeah, good scene. I just help us good in this movie, just to, you know, just to just say he's pretty good in this movie. He does a good job. Way better than Will Smith. I think he's a much better actor than Will Smith. <laughs> and yeah, they, um, but yeah, in that one scene, he's basically just like, look, like he, Viola Davis is, you know, basically just like, hey, you want to see your daughter? join the suicide squad do this thing for us you'll get your sentence commuted okay you're in, you're formally introduced to everyone which i'm okay with because we weren't before mm-hmm. introduction scenes are kind of annoying to me sometimes sometimes i think you should just start the movie mm-hmm. but this one was okay and they all have their little quirks and characterizations and you know and then of course viola davis talks about what their mission is um and then you know i think it cuts back to them on the island right like they're back on the island after this introduction and they're basically just wandering through the jungle. Um, and like I said, you have like John Cena who plays Peacemaker, you're introduced to him a little bit more too. Um, he's like a he's like a patriot guy and you know, he, he butts heads with Idris Elbow, which is interesting. And you know, he's pretty good. He's very, very funny. Apparently, uh, just, sorry to cut you off for just a second. Sure. Uh, apparently when, uh, the writer of Watchmen, the guy who wrote the comic book. Alan Moore. Yes, Alan Moore. Uh, all the characters in 
Watchmen are technically DC characters. He originally wanted to use Peacemaker instead of the comedian, because that's who the comedian is actually based off of. Okay. Is Peacemaker, but DC said Peacemaker was too important of a character. So oh, they wanted wow. the comedian instead. So that's why like there are certain elements of Peacemaker and Comedian that are very similar, which is the idea that um and of course like he's the he's the epitome of like what a superhero would actually like. I know like Zack Snyder tried to be like, well, what if we lived in a world with, like real superheroes? But John Cena's character Peacemaker is really probably what a superhero would actually be, right? Well, it's just really, someone he's barely like a superhero, right? Like I don't know, like super it's like what's a superhero? Yeah. And like the Justice League movies, like like you have like Superman who's like a, a god, like he can't be destroyed for the mm-hmm. most part. Yeah. And like, yeah, you have like basically like god people. And the Suicide Squad, they're not really god people, they're just like really good at certain things like shooting guns and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like what was peacemaker's thing was he shoot a gun well what was his super that was uh one of the jokes like very early on when we're actually first introduced to peacemaker which is that him and uh blood sport are basically the same and so basically all john cena's character peacemaker can do is he can shoot well like that's it he, he basically Wait, I... does what blood sport does yeah. yeah which is fine with me i'm fine with me because that means like they're not invincible but they're at least like a threat too mm-hmm. you know so like they're they're good at fighting you know what i mean like, i guess like black widow or some shit like that i don't know yeah um it's just hard to like make a movie about gods you know what i mean it's just like and, yeah you know it's been done before and it sucks yeah and i think you get that other scene where they're walking through the jungle and they're talking to each other and stuff like that which i, I will have to say i like james gunn i like the guy i've seen quite a few of his movies now the other day i watched slither which is a movie he came out in 2006, which is like his horror film. Really recommended it, really enjoyed it. Really great kind of low, low budgety kind of horror film. Very good. You know, I like his shtick. I like his humor. He was a trauma guy early on. He wrote Trauma on Juliet, you know, which I think is amazing that he went from trauma to like making, you know, big budget superhero movies. That's amazing. But sometimes I think his humor and his writing does great on me. And I find like, I find myself like rolling my eyes a little bit too many times in this movie. Sometimes like the jokes and the dialogue, they just do not land with me and I don't care very much about it. Um, I think the story overall is pretty good. And I think the characterizations are pretty good. And, you know, especially all the newer characters, I think they do a good job and the performances are good and all that shit. Um, I just think that sometimes like it kind of grates on me. And I will also say, if I'm going to say something else, another criticism about the movie, I just feel like James Gunn maybe is treading water a little bit. I don't see how this movie is that different than the Guardians movies. It's another movie. It's just maybe third or fourth movie that he's made about a, about a bunch of um, anti-hero stragglers who have nothing going on that now have this new opportunity and they're going to take it on and they're going to go and they're up to the moon. I just feel like Jane maybe is treading water a little bit. He's kind of making the same movie over and over again. I like Guardians movies and I like this, but in terms of looking at James Gunn's career, maybe you should do, I just kind of almost wish he did something even more different, but. Yeah, it it reminds me of um, this interview Sam Raimi had after he made uh, Evil Dead 2. They asked him, you know, you made these two incredible films on incredibly low budgets. Do Do you think, you know, you'll be able to make the same kind of films with big budget, right? Would it be easier? Would it be, you know, would you make better films? And Sammy Raimi said, no, it would be, you know, the more money, I'm terrified of having money for a film. 
because I'm afraid that the creativity that you're forced to have with you know, small budget films will go away. And I think in a certain sense, that's kind of what's happened to James Gunn. Like I think he has, right, especially with these, especially with this last movie, The Suicide Squad, is they basically, right, DC said, have as much money as you want, do whatever you want. I think he has, because he has the capability to do pretty much whatever he wants, I think he's almost, he's kind of held back by that. I think if like his next film is say like a small budget film, right? If he did something like say, you know, John Favreau did after Iron Man, right? If he did something like Chef, where, you know, you go from these giant big budget films to a smaller budget film where you're kind of forced to kind of work around certain things. I think that would kind of move James Gunn back into a direction where he isn't just making the same movie over and over again. Those are like my main criticisms. Yeah. My criticism. Also, some of the CGI is just okay looking, but it's still not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just to move on, um, yeah, they're in the jungle, you know, they get to know each other. And I think like one of the next big scenes is that they come across an encampment in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> actually, actually earlier than that, they're told that they need to rescue Rick Flag. They're saying, Rick Flag has been taken. You need to go get him. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay. So they go to this encampment in the middle of the jungle and they just kill everyone there. It's very uh, fun. They mow. It's a very fun scene. They're like, yeah, they're like playing around basically, mm-hmm. just shooting people, like going nuts, just like killing everyone inside. Very, 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 very crazy scene. And then they get to the tent and in the camp, the big tent, and they open it and Rick Flag is just hanging out. <laughs> and it turns out that they're rebel forces that are against the current like uh, regime, government regime. And then they just killed like uh, basically the good guys, you might say, yeah. the guys that are on their side. Um, and it's, uh, it's a pretty funny, um, I wasn't expecting that. That was another good scene that I, I wasn't expecting, you know, the, to go that way. So it's kind of funny, you know, and they're just kind of like, sorry, you know, they're like, what are we doing? Sorry, I guess. <laughs> they're, they're stupid, you know, they don't. Uh, yeah. They're a shoot first, ask later type of group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more or less they're, I think like they decide like, okay, we're going to go into the city now, the yeah. city. And I think that's kind of where it goes from there. Yeah. And uh, just to touch on a couple of points that we jumped over, uh, we learned that Polka Dot Man, he has a uh, virus, which it's like a, I don't know, space like some body virus. Yeah. Yeah. So like his face gets all like, which I, I think is one of the cooler kind of makeup effects. Looks uh, good. There's like these glowing bulbs and he has to basically uh, shoot out <laughs> polka dots uh, like every, like two times a day. We also mm-hmm. learn, uh, of course, uh, famously Weasel couldn't swim just because of the, and you know, he immediately died because of, they just never checked. And then uh, in a similar way, uh, Idris Elba's character Bloodsport has a serious rat phobia, which I think, I think what I love about both those moments is that, and something that I think uh, James Gunn does a good point, a job pointing out is kind of the, the bureaucracy of these forces, which you never really see in movies, right? Like for some reason in movies, like bureaucracies just work like really well. Like they're just like freaking perfect. Like they just, like it yeah. just goes from A to B. Especially in Marvel movies and Marvel movies, it's like um, the bureaucracy is like, they're the CIA, so they're <laughs> awesome and epic and they yeah. can never do any wrong or they're not bad guys. Like they can do anything bad and they're super great and awesome. And yeah, that's like, yeah, that's basically what S.H.I.E.L.D. is. They're the CIA, you know, yeah. they're the good guys. Yeah, but you're right in this movie. They're, yeah, they're, they're basically just bureaucrats who aren't 
I mean, they're not bad at their job. They're just, again, bureaucrats. So they're not like that good at it. It is nice kind of going back to them though. They're pretty funny. That kind of, the, the, the people yeah. at the computers and they're talking to the guys are pretty funny. So yeah, I, I appreciated that part as well. I thought that was pretty well done for the most part. It was good. And I, yeah. yeah. And, and I think uh, another thing, James Gunn, which you see later on in the film more than I, up to this point, it's not as clear. I think where James Gunn has improved, say from, and perhaps this is also a Marvel thing uh, from the Guardians movies, is that in this movie, there really aren't, like who the good guys are and who the bad guys are isn't really like clear. I think he does something that Marvel really isn't that good at doing, which is Marvel's very good at saying, here are the good guys, here are the bad guys, and then they're going to fight. That's so boring, though. That's just so st- yeah. fucking like, yeah. Where in this movie, I think it does a really good job, especially as we get closer to the end, of questioning, well, who really are the good guys? Who really are the bad guys? You know, what what defines a good guy versus a bad guy? Like we talk about, you know, <laughs> the Suicide Squad, basically just murdering like 40 people who we learn are the good guys, but you know, who the good guys are, are they really the good guys? Are they really not? I mean, you know, they're on the same side as America, right? So we're assuming that they're the good guys, but when we later learn what America is actually doing, tough to say. Yeah, it's also established that like the dictator guys who are now taking over the country, they um, they they have control of the tower. They find out what's inside of it. Um, apparently, like American astronauts, like came across this crazy starfish alien creature and it killed uh-huh. them. Uh, so they're like, okay, let's take control of it instead of like letting it go or whatever. <clears throat> and. Um, and yeah, they're like, okay, let's do that. And um, you're introduced to, I think, like the pretty boy, you know, uh, dictator guy, not the general, but like the, the, yeah. the guy. And um, and then I think we have the scene where that guy, the dictator guy, meets with Harley Quinn because Harley Quinn wasn't killed in the first scene. She was captured. Of course. Um, and then she meets up with the guy because the guy really likes her, I guess. And they have like a conversation. Mm-hmm. And... This is one of one of the few criticisms I have of this film, which is after we get past that original opening scene, which I love. I love kind of the fake out and you know the bloody, gory deaths, everyone you know out yeah. dying. Yeah. After that opening scene, I think the stakes are lowered quite a bit because none of the main characters, except for of course one at the end, really dies. And it's just like like you know from the very beginning, Harley Quinn's not going to die. Uh, Idris Elba's probably not going to die. And, you know, the other characters, it's like, well, they might die, they might not, but it's just, I don't know. I think the stakes, I think what I would have, I think this film would have improved from is if James Gunn basically had that attitude he had at the beginning of the film, which is like, we'll kill off anyone at any time. You know, kind of the Game of Thrones kind of attitude, which is, you know, no one is safe. Anyone can die at any time. And while I love Idris Elba and I love his character, I think it would have been interesting if halfway through the film, they would have killed off him or one of the ma- you know, main Suicide Squad characters, which they don't really do through the film because at the end of the day, it is a superhero film where you want to feel good and happy. And it, I think it lowers the stakes to a certain extent. It's when you say that though, because in this scene where Harley Quinn is talking to the dictator guy, uh, they have a conversation, they have sex, and then she just shoots and kills him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very very surprising <laughs> very surprised by that i was like oh yeah he's dead he just she's like killed him just like straight up just like shot him and like murdered him um yeah i was like that was very surprising to me uh 
And then, yeah, after that, yeah, that seems all right. But, you know, it's, it's funny because it's just kind of like, wow, I have nowhere, Harley Quinn, <laughs> which by the way, I like, I don't hate the character of Harley Quinn, but I, I would just never been like a big fan of like the performance of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. I just find it kind of annoying. Like she's all right in this movie, but I, I just don't care too much. I know it's like her th- thing and, you know, she's been in several movies. I just don't like care too much for the performance. I just don't really, I just don't really like it very much. It's okay. It's just kind of annoying. I find it very annoying. And then, yeah, it's established that once he dies, the general guy, the old general guy is now like the dude. Um, and to really prove he is, he burns uh, the, the, the hater guy shot by Quinn. He burned down his bird cage or whatever to show how evil he is. <laughs> it's like, okay, I guess, yeah. And then I think we're back to our group of like, you know, our, our, our group of guys uh, after that. Uh, they're still making their way into the city, I believe. Yeah, they're, uh, they're sitting in a bus and, you know, you see King Shark, who, or Nanawe, uh, he goes by both names. Uh, who's my favorite? He's just an adorable, just loving, played by Sylvester Stallone of all people, which is, is fun. Um, he, he's like looking out the back window and it's one of these, one of the moments in the films and it's, you know, you talk about not liking sort of like introductions to like all these different characters, um, which actually doesn't bother me as much as something that this movie does and pretty much every superhero movie does, which it decides at some point that we need the backstory to every single character and they need to be sitting in a room and just talking about their backstory. I'm, I'm okay with that though. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with them doing that. I don't care. I don't like the like the big flashy introduction shit though. I find that shit very, very contrived. I like though when characters sit around and they talk about their issues and their problems and themselves in a very engaging way. And I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the scene where the rat person is talking about her dad or whatever. I like that scene because it's acted well, it's written well, and it makes sense in the in the movie. And you have these characters connecting in a way, and you're connecting with them. So I like that. Because and it's not like you know done in a really dumb, big, huge, stupid way. It's done in a very nice, controlled way where they're sitting in a room, and I like that. I don't know. I mean, honestly, the rat catcher one, I, I'm I'm fine with. I think it's also done in an interesting way, right? It's. Uh... They like kind of put almost like it almost looks like a projector on like the window screen. Of course, that's the first time yeah. you see Taika Waititi, who plays uh, the original Ratcatcher, and you know it, it. It's fine. I just there are plenty of great movies where there's just people. Sitting, I mean, Twelve Angry Men, right? Is just twelve men sitting in a room for two hours arguing with each other, and there are plenty of great movies that do that. It's just like, and I get that in a superhero movie, you have to have moments where like you stop and pause. That's fine. It's just. I don't know. I think the one that bothered me the most is like the polka dot man one. Um, I like his character. I think he's a really interesting character. I love his backstory. I love the idea that he hates his mom and imagines everyone he kills is his mom. I think that's fun. Um, but like him just standing there talking, telling us, you know, his tragic backstory, which we basically get with everyone except for Peacemaker, interestingly. And I think that's it. Or I guess, no, we don't really know the backstory of Nanawe either. But I don't know. I'm, I'm fine with like, I'm, I'm fine with, it. I mean, I'm, I'm fine. It's just like, I think it can be done better. I think it can be come up in like a conversation where like you're talking about other stuff. Like, I guess what I don't really, it's not so much that I don't like that they have a backstory that they tell their backstory. I think that's fine. I just think there's a better way to go about it. I think it can go about, you know, talking about like things that are actually happening in the film and then like moving in there, like having moments, right? Like you say like a line or two here, a line or two there, right? Some world building where instead it's like, they're all sitting on a bus and you know we learned why Idris Elba is afraid of rats. 
we learn you know about rat catchers twos dad taika watiti rat catcher i don't know it's fine i mean it, it just it, there, i don't really have a real criticism about it i just don't like it that much i, I just prefer it be done differently i guess fair enough yeah they had a conversation on the bus uh they go to a bar because mm-hmm. they want to get peter capaldi who has the thing in his head the stuff in his head thinker the thinker the thinker so yeah they go to this bar in the country and um they um they all go in except for the shark guy the not way yeah now now way yeah whatever um and they go in there by the way i don't know if you saw a cameo by lloyd kaufman in the very beginning when they enter into the bar <laughs> I didn't lloyd, notice. Lloyd it's like a very quick shot of him um yeah. But he's been in other James Gunn movies. But you know, once again, got to rep the original guy, original guy right there in the beginning, straight up. But yeah, they like go in there and they're like, uh, they're hanging out and they're like, uh, you know, da, da, da. and they're like, we should drink. Like, I don't, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't drink. And then they drink. Um, and yeah, they have like a, we're drunk scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. Woo! You know, it's like, whoa, we're crazy. <laughs> there's a funny scene where, there's a funny part too, where like, uh, like Polka Dot is like, man is like dancing with everybody. And like, it like cuts. And it's interesting because you don't notice it after a second, but like, it kind of like cuts for really quickly. And then like all of the people that he's dancing with, have, of course, the face of his mom, which, mm-hmm. you know, that comes up, that comes up several times where he sees his mom and every person that he sees and stuff like that. And which is very, very, I feel like that's a very trauma thing. I don't know what it is, but there's something very trauma-y about that. But yeah, that's a pretty funny part in it. And uh, eventually Idris Elba, he finds Peter Capaldi and he's like, I'm going to shoot you. Um, I'm going to kill you, idiot. Uh, like, okay. And then I think uh, cops come into the bar, right? Yeah, like the, yeah, like the mil- military police or something like that. Because they're searching for, because they've been given the, uh, they've basically been told that they need to find Americans, which I mean, you know, obviously when it comes, these, uh, the Suicide Squad isn't exactly a master of disguise by any means, especially when you think of uh, Peacemaker. But basically they're at the bar because they're looking for the Americans. And uh, I just Elba, uh, Bloodsport, uh, in kind of a move that I suppose is sort of his transition into uh, who he becomes at the end of the movie, immediately goes, hey, I'm the American. And then of course Rick Flagg is like, I'm an American. And he forces Peacemaker to say that he's an American, which allows Ratcatcher, the thinker, and Polka Dot Man to get away into the car with uh, Milton and Nanawe, who drive off as uh, those three characters are arrested and taken away. Yep, and then uh, I think, yeah, you have them in their, um, in the, they're in the van, they're in the armored van and they're driving away and um, uh, they um, are like talking and uh, they're able to, uh, they do the fun thing where like, they're kind of like, uh, they butt heads, mm-hmm. right, to the guards and then they, um, they're able to kind of like stop the driver and it crashes and it rolls and they're able to get out and um, yeah and it's just like this big you know a quick short you know little action scene about how they got were able to escape you know it's pretty creative it's pretty fun and yeah they're out of there and um, I think after that after once they get everybody together and they get Peter Capaldi they have Peter Capaldi they're like what do we do now well we got to get Harley Quinn Rick Flagg is like we got to get her back so we got to go and find her and get her back okay so they go out and get her 
then you have the Harley Quinn sequence where at this point she's basically being tortured. She's 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 being tortured by the you know the government dictator guys. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure what direction this uh, this scene was going to go in. Um, although after watching it, I remember saying they they kind of ruined the scene because of the, a trailer that I had seen. It, like made it pretty clear, but I, I guess I didn't realize it at the time. But by the end of the scene, I was like, wait a minute. I already knew this was going to happen because I'd seen the trailer. But basically the idea is the whole group's going to go save Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn's getting tortured. Uh, the general guy leaves. She uh, uses her, I don't know, her Harley Quinn-ness to strangle the guard in there. She gets free. And the way she- that she gets free, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I thought it was pretty, like, oh, okay, that's like actually kind of like, yeah. It definitely feels like, like it doesn't feel like, you know, someone just like, oops, I dropped my key. Let me, you know, just go pick it up. Like it felt like James Gunn genuinely like sat down and thought about like if someone was trapped in a room, you know, hanging by like their hands, how would they get out? Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, even though this is certainly an improvement from the original film, uh, the male gaze is certainly a lot less, you know, not just in her costume, but just in a lot of her actions. Because in the, I, the one of the things I do know about the first film is the male gaze on Harley Quinn is pretty intense and her uh, outfit or costume or whatever is, it's gross. I mean, it, it's just, it's gross. And, and, and this, I mean, not like gross, like, you know, gross Margot Robbie, but like it's- I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Because it's like fishnets and like underwear and like that. It, like it's, it, it bothers me. And in this one, I think it's a lot better, but I will say in this sort of scene, at least at this moment, it does feel a little, a little male gazy. I mean, not not a ton, and certainly a lot less than the other, um, but it's fine. And she gets out, and she has this, you know, awesome uh, shootout scene where she's, you know, moving around the room. It's actually very similar to the scene in Birds of Prey, where she's uh, going around the room. The camera's like circling around her as she's shooting people. I don't even remember that scene. I saw the movie not too long. After <laughs> that. I barely remember a single thing about that movie. But yeah, this scene is a very good scene, very good action scene. I like the way that the camera moves. I like that the editing of the scene. It's very quick, but it's not too quick. You know what I mean? It's not like a thousand like edits a second. It's like mm-hmm. certain things linger and certain things cut really quick. Um, yeah, just like definitely one of the best action scenes in the movie. Really, really good. Yeah, and she fights her way out of the, basically out of the place. And as she starts fighting her way, uh, instead of blood, there's like uh, flowers and like yeah, little yeah. birds and stuff, which is, I mean, it's fun. I think sometimes it feels sort of like they are and i i think this is true of birds of prey since we were talking about it a minute sometimes it feels like it's pandering to like oh look she's a woman and you know she's strong and independent at, at that moment it feels i mean i think like kind of like you i'm not a huge fan of harley quinn's characters and these margot robbie's performance at least i think harley quinn has a really interesting background and in some of the comic books and uh, some of the other versions of her are really interesting i think margot robbie's a great actor I think her performances are, it's a weird choice, I guess, the whole thing. And Birds of Prey, for some reason, like, this baffles me a lot, is there is a group of people, especially on Letterboxd, who think Birds of Prey is just, like, the greatest superhero movie, which just, it baffles me. because it's, like, so, it's so fucking boring. Like, it's so, like, it's so um, annoying and, like, forgettable. Like, like I said, I barely remember. <laughs> anything in it i don't even remember like 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 i don't know it's just like kind of like a messy movie it's not like the worst thing ever like there are worse movies but it's so messy and it's just so like 
annoying and, and, and unfunny and just kind of like, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I just don't really get the, the appeal of that movie. I, I mean, you know, I'm glad that like, you know, I think the cast is really neat and stuff. It's just like, I just don't really care for the final product overall. It's just not very good. But she breaks out and uh, yeah. she she's something we also forgot to mention. Very early in the movie, when Javelin Man dies, he gives her his javelin, and so she's been carrying it around like this whole. Oh, yeah, that stupid javelin shit. Yeah, I, I don't find the javelin like I I don't find that stuff very funny. It's I, I guess like a lot of the jokes from Harley Quinn. I don't think they like of all the jokes. I think those are the ones that land the least for me. I think I don't really care. Uh, but she takes a javelin, gets in a taxi. She finds uh, Bloodsport and Peacemaker or Rick Flag, maybe. Yeah, they're like getting ready to rescue her. And it's like, what? We were going to rescue you. She's like, I'm good. You know, it's It's fine. It's a fine scene. And so then we have, and so from this point, this is when they go on their final uh, to the tower. To the tower. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it now. And I realized that like, so after they get Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. it's like almost like an hour, the whole, the rest of the movie, there's like an hour left. It's kind of, it's like, I'm kind of like looking at like kind of like the movie right now on HBO Max. After they get Harley Quinn and they move on to the, the tower, which is like the final act or part of the yeah. movie, it's like a whole hour of that, of them just doing that, which is, is interesting. Really? I didn't realize how long the whole sequence is. It's pretty long. I mean, like there's a lot that's discovered and a lot happens and they do a couple like fake outs and like, you know what I mean? They do like some fast backwards, I guess you might say. And yeah, I, I think that whole sequence for the tower it's pretty good. It's a pretty good buildup. And once you get there, it's like, okay, this is good. And then the tower and then the other thing. And then, but yeah, the full final part of the movie. But they, yeah, they, they're like, all right, let's go into the tower. Let's go, baby. And they go in there. And they're like, okay, we're going to blow it up with explosives and stuff. And, you know, they're going on the tower. And then I think this point you have Ratcatcher, Rick Flag, yes, Peacemaker. They go up to like the top floor or whatever. They just head straight there or whatever. And they, they see basically the alien starfish thing yeah oh they're in the basement that's important to know they didn't go to the top floor oh it's the basement. basement yeah because oh they are in the okay yeah, yeah you're right you're right you're right you're right they're in the basement not the top floor of the basement mm-hmm. uh yeah and they and they kind of discover some things about like why they're really there and what's actually going on and stuff mm-hmm. and the thinker um who I think I, I wish they would get the thinker more to do in this film because I, I, I think Peter Capaldi he's like I, a good very yeah. good actor I think Peter Capaldi is a great actor and I really wish he would have given more. And, yeah. he, and he has one of my favorite lines in the movie, which I'm, I don't remember the exact line, but the idea basically is that, you know, America doesn't really give a shit about Starro. And we learn that later on. Like they don't, they don't care if Starro takes over the entire country that they're in. All they care about is destroying the evidence that America was linked to it. And the thinkers, the ones that's like, you guys aren't the good guys. You get, you know, America doesn't, give a shit about you at all america doesn't give a shit about any of this and i i think it's it's probably it's probably the most expensive film right the most money put into a film and probably i would argue one of maybe joker probably one of the only superhero movies that's anti-imperialist and anti-american which i think is a ballsy move for james gunn to do 
Yeah, every Marvel movie is just like basically like, yeah, United States is awesome. CIA is awesome. We're awesome. I'm trying to think of like another movie that's like that, that's like extremely anti-imperialist outside of a movie like JFK or something like that. Or like, I'm trying to think of something that's just very, very like, like that. Um, but I can't really think of anything right now. People, even movies nowadays don't really do that. You know what I mean? Even like big budget movies nowadays, like there were more movies in the 80s at the height of Reagan that are more anti-imperialist <laughs> than basically any movie that's been made in the past like five, 10, 15 years. Yeah. For major studio stuff. So, uh, so basically <laughs> Starro gets loose because the explosives go off earlier than they thought they would. Starro gets loose. He rips Thinker apart. Um, they all try to grab for this little like hard drive that has the evidence. Of course, Peacemaker being a true American yeah. wants, wants to uh, destroy it. Where, uh, but uh, Rick Flag, which I think is interesting, uh, Rick Flag's character. I think he's. I know in the original version, people hate Rick Flag's character. I don't really know much about him, but in this version, I do think that I do think Rick Flag has a really interesting sort of turn here, especially because he is like your traditional, you know, soldier American, and the fact he's a that Navy he, Seal. Yeah, right. He's he's exactly what you think of when you think I of like. Too. I love it too. One of my favorite parts too is like. Um, he, yeah, like Peacemaker and Rick Flag, they have like a big fight scene over the hard drive, and like Rick Flag gets killed at the end. But right, right before they fight, I think Peacemaker says something like, uh, "What does he say?" He says like, um, um, "I thank you for your service, but I'm gonna need like that <laughs> hard like, or something yeah. like that. Like I, I respect you, or like you're an American hero, or or something yeah, like that." Hero, and, then, yeah. and then they fight, and then he kills him. He fucking like murders him, <laughs> which is very, which I find very, very funny. That's a good bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they kill Rick Flag. Um, he's like really boring in the first movie, by the way. He's completely just like a non-character. He's just kind of he's like a, he's like the he's the shooty character. He's the regular guy character, and he's like oh, whatever. Like I don't care. But he's not bad in this movie. He gets killed, and Ratcatcher is able to get the hard drive, and she runs away um, with it. And then that, of course, sets off a chase where Peacemaker is going to get Ratcatcher. And then I think they end up in a certain area of the building and he's about ready to shoot her in the face. And then it cuts and it, we go back, we fast backward, like what, like a handful of minutes earlier. Yeah. Like 15 minutes earlier, or, you know, some odd amount of, it doesn't really matter the amount of minutes. Yeah. And that's when we see uh, Bloodsport, Nanawe. Polka Dot Man. Polka Dot Man. And they're at the top of the tower. And so Nanawe goes to, oh, and Harley Quinn. And so uh, Nanawe goes up to like an aquarium thing that's at the top of the tower. For yes. some reason. And he has just like a, just like a meet cute little moment with these like little things. And like, uh, he's just running around, you know, having, having a good time being Nanawe. Uh, and while that's happening, the three, uh, Harley Quinn, Polka Dot Man, and Bloodsport uh, go into like some office area of the tower. And, you know, they're fighting out, they're shooting, uh, they're shot at, they all move. And that's when we realize that Milton, who's just this normal guy who uh, drives a bus, is there and is just brutally murdered. And then they have this short little uh, quippy moment where Polka Dot Man, I guess, has, is in, was in love with Milton or at the very least cared for Milton. And of course, uh, again, showing that even though these people are like have grown as people, they're still kind of shitty people. And they're like, I don't, I don't know who this Milton guy is. And uh, again, showing that 
uh, Polka Dot Man is perhaps the only uh, member of Suicide Squad, other than maybe Nanawe, who uh, isn't a shitty person. I guess Ratcatcher too isn't a shitty person, but you know. <clears throat> and then more guards come. Polka Dot Man does his thing, shoots Polka Dots, but unfortunately there's a bunch of explosives right there. It explodes, and now the tower is falling over. So yep. King Shark falls out of the tower, which I assumed he was going to die at this point, which which was, it was sad for me. He, he doesn't. He's indestructible. He, he seems to be indestructible, which is it's fine, because I, I like it that way. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> and then the basically the three of them, like, you know, do that thing that happens in, like, every action movie from, like, the mid-2000s for some reason, which is a tower falls over, and they run through the tower, and they, you know, jump to, like, another spot, I guess. It's like an, it's like a post-9-11 thing. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, that was just a thing. I, I guess I guess something to do with 9-11 or whatever. So they jump to their spot. Uh, Polka Dot Man, Harley Quinn make it. Bloodsport, like, grapples onto something. The grapple breaks. He falls. He lands on, like, a, a slab of concrete, and then he goes through, like, 15 floors, lands at the bottom, and we're back to that same moment where there's Peacemaker pointing a gun at Ratcatcher and <clears throat> Bloodsport are there together. Um, they have like a, I was, I was kind of hoping for like a, a kind of good, the bad and the ugly sort of situation, you know, kind of like a, a old school kind of Western shootout kind of thing. Mm -hmm. They didn't do that. I, I kind of wish they would have, but they, they have their moment, you know, they shoot and uh, they do a callback to earlier in the movie where at the very beginning when they're introducing the two characters, they kind of have this back and forth. And Idris Elba says, well, he has smaller bullets than Peacemaker and his bullet shoots through, it shoots through uh, Peacemaker's bullet and kills Peacemaker. And then they all go outside and uh, Starro's out there, you know, stomping around, he releases, which is kind of like one of the grossest moments in the movie. He like releases all these little starfish thing out of his side. It's kind of gross. Uh, and <laughs> you don't, you don't like no, it, it looks gross. It looks gross, and um, and the stars are like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just saying like, on, like yeah, like stars going nuts and they're destroying everything. And um, I think they get it's like, well, this, the 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 big starfish monster is going to destroy the country, and they're like, it doesn't really matter. You can just leave. And they're like, yeah, okay. And they almost do it, but then they decide, like, no, we're not going to do it. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, we're going to, because they're all, you know, it's like, we got to come together and, you know, it's a bit defeat cheesy. the guy or whatever. Viola Davis, like, freaks out. She's like, I'm going to blow your brains out. Don't do it. Viola Davis in the head, uh, stopping her because everyone's just like, what? Like, <laughs> they need to help the people in the country. And uh, yeah, they defeat Viola Davis. And uh, they go on to try to save the country, which, uh, yeah, like the starfish guy has these little starfishes and attaches to people's face and takes control of them and kills them basically. Like they're dead if you have a starfish on your face. And, and yeah, it, uh, yeah, and they just go and they fight and they do whatever they can to destroy Starro. Um, unfortunately, um, <laughs> there's a great part, of course, where Polka Dot Man is, you know, given the permission to destroy Starro and I think he's able to get his leg and he sees his mom as Starro. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, I'm a superhero, and he gets smashed immediately course, killed, <laughs> which is a really, really great death. It's the best death in the movie. It's sad, but you know, it's like, oh wow, okay, I guess that's kind of, kind of like how the basically the whole movie, I guess you might say. Yeah, and I think at that point uh, they decide. I think they're able then to say like, okay, let's um, 
uh, I think they go, they do the eye thing then after that. Yeah, Harley Quinn has her javelin. She runs, she jumps into the eye, uh, which is like this Dewey Echo Center. And, and while this is happening on the ground, Bloodsport and the Ratcatcher, which another thing that bothered me about this film is Ratcatcher 2, for most of the film, doesn't really do much. Like she has the ability to control these rats and other than like two scenes, she never does it for some reason or is never given the opportunity to, which is kind of lame. Yeah, um, yeah, because she's like, I think like her, not superpowers, but like whatever, her science or technology is perhaps like one of the most interesting of all of the characters and they almost never let her do her thing for some reason, but they do. And of course she calls all of the rats and basically kills Starro. And, and this, is, this is what one of the things when I was talking about act three that I didn't like, and this is, I think, true. I don't know if, other than the Joker, I don't know if I've ever seen a superhero movie with a good third act. I think every third act I've ever seen is bad because it's boring all every time because all it is is you have your good guy and your bad guy and they, you know, they, they're just like CGI monsters and they fight and then they just win. It's just, it's boring and I don't like it. And even in this film, even though I loved everything up to this point, the rat catcher thing, it just feels like a duo ex machina and it's kind of lazy, especially because like, I, I really love uh, Bloodsport as a character and I think he has some cool action sequences even here towards the end. But like the way they destroyed the monster is, it's kind of boring, it's kind of lame. I don't, I don't love it. I haven't really seen a superhero movie where I do like the third act because it's always just like, it's just like two like superhumans fighting each other. It's just not, it's not that interesting. Even in like the original Iron Man, which I guess could be like considered the first superhero movie of the modern era. It's just Iron Man fighting another Iron Man. They're just not, I don't know. It's not a fan of it. I didn't mind it. And this movie, I didn't really mind it just because I, I like it. It's, it's just like the, 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 the villain is, mm -hmm. is like, um, is like a big starfish monster. <laughs> yeah. This is like somewhat unusual. And a Marvel movie, it's always like, it's a big blue beam. Yep. <laughs> or it's like, it's, uh, it's Thanos, he's a big monster guy. Okay. That's like every Marvel movie. At least in this movie, it's like a big starfish guy. And the way I think that the way that they feed him is a little bit, you know, it's a little bit different rather than just them punching each other. Yeah. yeah. In a Marvel movie where they're just running around and they're flying around, and they're punching each other and they're firing yeah. their moves. At least like this movie was like a little creative, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I think like the starfish guy is a little unusual. And even then too, once you said like um, about like good, good guys and bad guys, when they kill the starfish guy, I think the starfish guy says something like uh, the starro. I think he yeah. says something like, um, you know, I was so happy, like in space and the cosmos the or something like yeah. that. It's like, oh man, that's, that's so sad. <laughs> and yeah, they, they, they murdered. Yeah. yeah. But I see what you mean though, because yeah, at the, at the end of every yeah, superhero movie is just yeah, a big fight scene. And, you know, I guess that's just how it's supposed to be or whatever. But yeah, I, I thought it was okay though. It was just like kind of fine. And then they're, uh, they basically, they talk to Viola Davis and they're like, okay, they blackmail her. They're like, we have this information. So commute our sentences no matter what. And uh, we won't uh, get it out there. And they're like, <clears throat> she's like, okay. She begrudgingly is like, uh, okay, that's fine. And, uh, you know, they have like uh, a little moment. I think the last moment of the movie is when they're leaving the country. Mm -hmm. And throughout the whole movie, Idris Elba is afraid of rats. Um, and Ratcatcher, she has like a pet rat who wears a vest. Fashion. Bastion and they're, and they're like hanging out and they're driving away and the Bastion's on his knee and he pets the rat which is a 
that's a good ending, little ending moment. Yeah, that's that's a very nice little moment. You know what I mean? It's very good. It's very nice. And I think like the after credit scene or the midway credit scene is of course Weasel on the beach, and it turns out he didn't die from drowning, and he runs away, and mm -hmm. that's the movie. I think. Yeah, that's kind of just how the movie ends. Uh, oh. Yeah, big fight scene and stuff. <laughs> And it's important to note because, uh, which I imagine we'll probably end up both watching, is the post credit scene, the mid credit scene is Weasel's Alive, which makes me think that they're probably going to make another movie with James Gunn because they kept Sean Gunn alive. And the post credit scene is we learn that Peacemaker is alive. Oh, I didn't see the post credit scene. I didn't know there was a post credit scene. Which is important because during COVID, James Gunn wrote an eight episode peacemaker tv show with john cena in it and hbo has recently just um announced that they're going to make it okay i didn't know this okay that's interesting i watch that yeah that's kind of weird what is it just like peacemaker now going to shoot people who are bad against the government I, he's a pretty I he's pretty funny yeah and james gunn is directing every it's eight episodes and he's directing the first second third fourth seventh and eighth so he's and he wrote all of them. So it's going to be very James Gunn okay. heavy. So I, I think, I don't know. I've never seen a James Gunn TV show before. So I don't, I don't know. I hope it's good. I know he worked on some television. <clears throat> I think he made a show. He had a, he wrote and directed a web series called PG Porn, which I've never seen. I've heard of it. I haven't seen that. No, I haven't seen that either. But I'd watch that. That sounds, you know, intriguing at least. So out of 10, what would you rate this movie, Andrew? I give it a six out of 10. It's pretty good. I'm cynical though. So like, there are just some things about it that I didn't like very much. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think like guns like writing kind of grates on me a little bit. Um, and some things were a little bit grating. Um, I generally had a good time though. I like how violent it is. It's a rated R movie. It's very R. Um, there's some nudity, violence, language. But yeah, like just like the violence and the gore is like very good. And you know, it kind of, you know, it does a good job. I think it's the, the story is mostly good. And, I, I just found it to be quite enjoyable. I'm just like, I'm just like too cynical for stuff like this. I think I just think that like, sometimes like, you know, I'm sitting there and I, I find myself rolling my eyes a lot of the time because there are a lot of cliches. There are really bad jokes and really bad dialogue moments. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unfortunately that's just kind of how it is for me. Um, but for the most part, this is a good one. I like the Guardians movies. I think they're both good too, just because they do operate on a different level than the other Marvel movies too. So, but then again, once again, like I said, this is kind of like more of the same kind of guardian stuff, you know what I mean? Like a little bit, a little bit of the same. It just feels like more of the same, but still it's way better than the original, than the first one movie, which I would give like a two. So it's like way better, yeah. way more enjoyable movie. Um, I think it is a little on the long side. I think it was just a little bit too long, but they have good moments. And I think for the most part, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. I'm going to rate this movie an eight out of 10. I um, am not as cynical as you. I just had a good time with the movie. I don't think there's anything. <laughs> I have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm okay with coming away from a film and just having a good time. Like, I, I'm fine with that. I, I, I did, like, like we both talked about earlier, I think some of the Harley Quinn stuff is annoying at best like I I just don't find it that interesting and she's one of those characters I would argue she's probably the only character that's basically invincible because they're not going to kill they're not going to kill off Harley Quinn um even if like 
at this point, it doesn't really seem like any of the DC movies like connect anymore. Like I know they're trying to do like an MCU thing, but I don't know what's canon and what's not anymore. They're kind of just doesn't matter. Thing. Really. It, it really doesn't matter. Um, but sure. I really enjoyed it. I, I had a fun time. I laughed a lot. I watched it with Emily, who uh, was playing Stardew Valley. So she only paid like half attention, but even she enjoyed it and she doesn't really like anything. Uh, <laughs> I, I just thought it was, it was a good time. I loved all of the choices in cast. Um, I loved all the performances. Uh, I loved the story. Like I said before, I think the third act is wasn't my favorite, but I had a good time. And I, I think that's enough. No, I had a good time too. It's just like, I don't think like, I just can't say that I love it. You know what I mean? I think it's good and I think it's fun and I had a generally good time. I just can't walk away from the movie being like, yeah, I love that movie. That movie is fantastic. It means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. I just can't bring myself to say that because it's not true. It doesn't really, I don't really like love the movie all that much. I just think it's really good and very you know, enjoyable, but that's about as far as I can get with it. That's just me though. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. I'm Austin Lugo. Andrew Hart. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, or wherever you hear our podcasts. And thank you all for listening. Thanks again, guys.